We're going to read verse 1 and 2, and then we'll drop down to verse number 11. Luke 15, verse 1, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. This is Jesus. And he has a vast variety of people that want to be close to him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, this was the religious elite complaining, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. So go to verse 11. Jesus is speaking. I'll explain more details about the context later. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. It's a very logical question. Statement, assessment. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Please notice the phrase. You'll hear it several times this morning. A different form of it. But the idea. But when he was yet a great way off. His father saw him. And had compassion. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. It's an amazing scene that's unfolding before our eyes. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. I love how the father doesn't even respond to that statement. It's amazing. I've, I've been studying this for years and it's the first time I've thought about that. Just another evidence that you can read this book your entire life and still learn more truth about how amazing God is. The father does not respond to the son's assessment. I'm not worthy to be your son. He simply says this. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Just as an advertisement, in the afternoon service, we'll begin in verse number 25. And we're going to talk about this title. This is for this afternoon, free advertising. This is the title for this afternoon, The Religious Rebel. The Religious Rebel. I'm pumped about that. <laughs> can tell you are too. <laughs> 
But we're not dealing with that yet. This morning, we're dealing with a God who sees you even when you're a long way off. Here's the title. A Long Way Off Love. It's a long way off love. And yet it's closer than you realize. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. Love my kiddos, my daycare, all eight of them. Alex at the piano and the rest of them. They're going to sing a song titled The God I Know. And I hope it will be an encouragement to you. A lot of people have different ideas about God. But the Bible is very clear about the kind of God that we know and that we serve.
thank God for his availability to us. It was a blessing. So I've told you this before. Someone in our church family took the liberty to nickname my glasses. Um, uh, they're called the Hubbles. And, and if you, you stand very close to me for very long, you realize there is a unique level of thickness to these lenses. But I, you know, I want to understand what that's a reference to. And so I Googled some stuff about the Hubble Space Telescope. And uh, ask this question, how far can it actually see? And it's very fascinating. It can see out to a distance of several billions of light years. You're like, man, that's really cool. You don't even know what a light year is, some of you. You're like, man, that's awesome. Okay, yeah, I mean, it sounds cool, but I, I have to understand a light year. Well, a light year is the distance that light travels in a year. And you're like, yeah, I knew that. But do you know how far that is? See, no, and so you got it. It's like, I don't know what that word means, so you look up a word, and then you have to look up the definition defining that word to really, it just, it keeps going. It's a rabbit hole. So light has a speed, if what I read is correct, of about 186,000 miles per second. Light can travel about seven times around the entire earth in about a second. So light travels about 5,865,696,000,000 miles in just one year. <laughs> then you can attach nine more zeros to the end of that number <laughs> and get one billion light years and add one more zero to that to get 10 billion light years. And at this point, I have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> Here's what I can say. That's far. <laughs> okay, I was making a joke about this the other day. Like, I could be a really good weatherman. No, I could, because I'd step outside, and I'd be like, y'all, it's cold. <laughs> Go again. Step outside, it's snowing. There's a 98% chance of snow today. Okay. No. I don't understand the weather just like I don't understand a Hubble telescope. I just know that it can see far. And so there's a couple of things that matter to me about this. Number one, if these are Hubbles, all of you people better beware because I can see. <laughs> I've had people say to me before, Pastor, it's like you hung out with us this week. <laughs> okay, I don't, don't have cameras, don't have spies. That's just God. But if these glasses were that powerful, man, you can't run. <laughs> especially to my children. <laughs> the second thing is this, that the technology of that is impressive. The furthest thing away at the time of this article that people have been able to study is called the Hubble Deep Field, and there may have been since more developments, may have been more developments since the writing of this, but it's called the Hubble Deep Field. And scientists and experts who understand these things are able to see things at distances and in ways that for centuries were unimaginable to us. And yet there's something that sees even further in even more intimate detail. And it really, there's no way to escape his view. And that is Jesus Christ. Jesus in verse number one and two was being criticized for this reason. He's being criticized because he hung out with he gave access to, 
he invested in publicans and sinners. Those are two very specific cultural groups of people. The religious leaders sitting there watching him, and they would have been wearing the religious garb. They would have been well-versed in religious code. They would have known the vernacular. But then this man, in their eyes, just a man named Jesus, comes on the scene, and he begins to do things they can't explain and say things they don't understand. And so they're, they're threatened by his presence because he's taking away their power. So they look for reasons to criticize him, and this is one of their chief criticisms. You hang out with publicans and sinners. Publicans would be Jews that served as tax collectors to the Rome, for the Roman government. So the Jews would take taxes from other Jews and then give it to uh, the invading force of the Romans. And a lot of times, in order to make themselves rich, they would lie about the taxes that their fellow citizens owned, and they would take more. It was a scheme to get rich and to enrich themselves. These were the publicans, and they were hated by, Jew, by Jews. They were hated by culture. Then you have the sinners. Well, that seems kind of vague, but you know what I'm talking about, right? People. <laughs> okay, when you hear me use the term sinner, you say, is he talking about me? Let me just alleviate any concern. Yes. Is he talking about the person that's next to me? Yes. Well, Pastor or Jonathan, well, are you talking about yourself? Yes, this is who sinners are, people, people that had made bad decisions, people that lived with regret, people that had allowed habits and vices to control them, people that had been unfaithful, people that had been angry, people that had said things they wished they could take back, people that had made selfish decisions. They were people who had turned from God and who had done things that were wrong. They were sinners. And Jesus is here in this scene teaching people and sinners and publicans, the least desirable of the culture, were flocking to him, not just by a few, but according to the biblical text, they were flocking to him by the hundreds of thousands, and he never turned one of them away. And off to the side are the religious elite with their clothes and their vernacular and their expertise, and they're looking at him, and they are criticizing him. If you're really who you say you are, you wouldn't be hanging out with people like this. And Jesus, being the master teacher that he is, said, hey, come here. I want to tell you a story. Now, this story was not for the multitudes. The story was for the religious elite who were being critical of him. But it's still a story that can be a help to us today. There are three points to the story. Number one, there was the young rebel who left home. Number two, there was the older rebel who stayed home. And we'll talk about that tonight or this afternoon. Number three. There was the father who relentlessly loved both of the rebels in his home. So this father has these two sons. The older, when you study the text, was steady and reliable. The younger was rebellious. The younger son was a long way from his father where he should have been. He was a long way from his father in his demands. No, he went to the father in verse, beginning in verse number um, uh, 
11 and 12 and 13, he goes to his father and he says, hey, I want you to give me the inheritance that I'm owed. Now, this was inappropriate and insensitive for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's the younger son. And so by the natural order of things, his inheritance would have been received second. It's also even more insensitive because typically an inheritance in that custom and day would not be passed on to the children until the parent had died. And so literally what he's saying to his father is, you are basically dead to me. All that I care about is getting the money that I know is mine, that's coming to me. And so rather than waiting until you die, why don't you just go ahead and give me what is due? Now this father has loved him. This father is the reason he has life. This father has invested in him. And his response to his father, the younger son's response to his father is this. You are dead to me. Give me my money. He was a long way from his father because of his selfish demands. He was a long way from his father because of the way he began to live his life. You look at verse number 13, not many days after that, the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. The word riotous refers to immoral depravity. In today, we live in a culture that says it does, there, there are no boundaries, there are no moral restraints. Basically, if it feels good to you, then you're allowed to do it. That is the guiding principle of conduct in our culture today. It doesn't matter who it hurts. It doesn't matter how bad the damage will be down the road. If it feels good in this moment, you are free to do it. Now look, we got to be honest about this. The Bible itself even says that there's pleasure in sin for a season. No, there are many preachers and there are churches that lie to people and say sin doesn't feel good. No, sin does feel very good, but it's temporary pleasure, and it's only for a season. This party that we read about in verse number 13, it was lit, and it was filled with people who were celebrating this young man's unexpected wealth, and he was one of the most popular guys around, and everyone wanted to to be with him, and when he was throwing a party, everyone was going to be at it, and there were no rules except to have a good time, and if you could imagine it, then you could have it, and it didn't matter what dad said was right or wrong, if it felt good good, then give yourself to it. And that's how he lived his life. But then we read that a famine came. Look at verse number 14. And he began to be in want. Hey, get it, get it. You know what we never read about this young man doing? Working a job. (laughs) He lived off his daddy with his daddy. Then he thought, I can leave my daddy and still live off of my daddy. But that ran out. And then on top of that, a famine came. He was far off in the consequences. He finds himself one day, the money's gone. And he hits up one of his buddies. They didn't have texting, so he probably used Twitter. I'm sorry, X, my bad. You know, like, hey, uh, funds are a little low. You think maybe I can crash at your place? Crickets. Hey, 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 girl, you remember, you remember the party you came to? That was my house. You think you, could think you could spare a sandwich? Nothing. We don't know the exact timeline, but it's very likely 
that in the narrative of the story, days go by. He has nowhere to sleep. He's going hungry. He is desperate. The truth is this, no matter how good it is, our decisions always have consequences that come later. They always have consequences. Good or bad, young people get it. Every decision you make in life has a consequence that's coming. It can be a good consequence, it can be a bad consequence. But every decision as a young lady, every decision as a young man that you make with your life, down the road, the seed that you are sowing today is going to bring fruit. And that's not just a principle for young people, that's a principle for every person that the decisions we make have consequences that we will reap down the road. And he was far off in his consequences. He finds himself in a pig pen. Now this is significant because we're talking about a Jewish story told to Jewish people who viewed the swine as a very unclean animal that they were by the Mosaic law forbidden to have any part with. And so this young man is so desperate that he has humbled himself to working with pigs and yet the man that he's working for isn't paying him well enough or with anything enough that he's able to feed himself. He's so hungry, the text says that he fain would have fed himself with the tusk, with the leftover rot that he was feeding to the pigs. I've told our churches before, I've, I grew up working with pigs, and we had cows and chickens and horses and all of that. But then in high school, I worked on these massive pig farms, 5,000, 10,000 pigs, a lot of pigs. Here's what I can tell you about pigs, two things. Bacon is delicious any time of day. Bacon is not a breakfast food. Bacon is manna. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for the vision that Peter had. Rise and eat, praise his name. Bacon's good on a BLT. Bacon's good on a cheeseburger with some jalapenos. Bacon's good on a donut. You go down to a donut store and you're like, I want one of them long johns and you sprinkle bacon. You're like, how can that be possible? Because bacon just about makes everything better. It's good on a salad. It's probably good in ice cream as long as it's not that squishy bacon if it's crispy bacon. It's like little protein angel dust on top of your dessert. Bacon is good. That's the one thing I know about pigs. Here's the second thing. You're like, what does that have to do with nothing? That's just how this goes sometimes. Here's the second thing. Pigs are gross. Now, I will spare you the details. I mean, I, I, know, I know people, some people have pig pets. And I'm cool with that. I mean, I see bacon, but that's your pet, so that's fine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sort of <laughs> just kidding. Like, man, you can wash that pig up, put a bow on it, but you let that pig do what that pig wants to do, and it's gross. That pig doesn't go, huh, man, being clean, <sighs> I think I want to live this way. No, you give that pig a chance. It's going to be in every nasty thing possible because that's what pigs are. That is where this young man is living. If you've ever fed pigs on a farm, no, I remember, you, you know, you save like the cantaloupe husk. You save, the, you save the, the eggshells. I mean, you save the part of the vegetables when your mom's chopping up the vegetables. You save the part of the vegetables that you don't eat. 
you save the leftover mac and cheese that sat in the refrigerator for eight days and it's turned into something. It's like some kind of plastic that maybe NASA can use. You know what I'm talking about. You save all of that stuff and you take it out and you dump it into the pig pen. And that, this is how desperate this young man was. He was considering eating that refuse. He was a long way off in the consequences. Well, then he comes to himself. And he comes to a logical conclusion. My father has hired labor that lives better than this. They have quarters. They have provisions. And I'm, I, I'm aware that I'm not worthy to be, to be his son anymore. And can we just, listen, listen. The, the, the father never refuted that statement. No, he was right in his assessment. You aren't worthy to be his son. But he begins to rationalize it. And he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go home and ask if I can go live in the bunkhouse with the hired employees. Can you imagine how shameful and lonely that walk must have been? He knows he's wasted it. He knows he has thrown away his father's money. And he assumes, because I've thrown away my father's money, I've also thrown away a relationship with him. I've also thrown away his concern for me. I've also thrown away any potential to be a part of his family again. I've thrown it all away. But I can't keep living like this, so I'm just going to go and maybe he'll hire me and let me live in the bunkhouse with the rest of the hired employees. The son was a long way off in his rebellion. He was a long way off in his consequences. He was a long way off in his shame. But this is what he didn't know, is that his father could see a long way off. You look at verse number 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. There's a couple of implications about this that are amazing. Number one, this father had really good eyesight. No, he could see a long way. It's amazing how far God's given the human eye the capacity to see when you're not afflicted with these things. And then praise the Lord for these things because they restore that. Hallelujah. No, he could see a long way. But here's the, this is even more amazing than how far he could see. Please get it. He was looking for him. No, look, this is a, he's just returning on a random day. But apparently there was something in this father about this son who had rebelled that he was, mm, he was constantly on the lookout for him. His eyes were constantly on the horizon, looking to the roads in the distance to see if maybe Sunday his son would return. And the moment that his son began to come into his view, he didn't wait. He didn't stand up on the porch. Okay, look, all of you dads, you know what this is like. Your kid does something, and you know they're guilty, and they know they're guilty, and they've got to come talk to you. And you're like, I'm not making this easy on you. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, apparently I'm the only mean father in here, but like, man, I love my boys. There have been a couple of times when they acted like me, and they're like, you need to come talk to me. And I'm not like, come give daddy a hug. I'm like, you better get over here. You may be taller than me, but I can still do more push-ups than you. Get over here right now. And they come up, and I'm just standing there like this. 
You know what I mean. We sometimes think that that's how God looks at people that are far from him. This. He was like this. I want want to give you an illustration. I know y'all hate it, Jaden. I'm sorry. Put your Bible down and go to the back. You are a long way off from me, dude. Hang your head. You're pathetic. <laughs> Yo, it's a joke. My kid, me and my kids mess around all the time. It's all good. Put your head down. No, look, I need you to go back to the doors over there. Hey, look back up at me. Sorry. Go to the doors over there. Go, go, go quick, quick. Okay, just put your hands in your pocket and just with shame, just kind of just real slow. Okay, slow down a little bit, even more. Hey, look at me for a second. This is what we think of the Father. This is what the religious elite think of the Father. Oh, he's coming back. No, and this is how churches are today. Stop right there for a second. This is how the people who claim to represent God can be. No, somebody that is obviously far from God in the way they've lived their life, in the consequences that they've experienced, they begin to arouse to the idea of God or to a desire to be helped. And this is how the people of God, the people of God get. We stand here with our arms clenched and with our chins up and our noses looking down on people who desperately need to be loved. But this wasn't that father. Put your head down because you're pathetic and start sauntering towards me. The father sees him and he runs to him and he grabs him. No, 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 you gotta get it. No, 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 no. I'm not being silly. I love my sons. I love my girls. I don't, have to, I don't have to stir up emotion. These are my children. You ask, have they ever disappointed you? <laughs> have I ever disappointed them, my parents? Yeah. No, I love my son. And that father ran to him. No, get it. Please get it. He ran to him. And he took him. Look, there wasn't a truck stop for him to clean himself up in. I thought about this too late. I would have had him get really dirty. But I can't have him do that in these clothes. His mama will be mad at me. I go roll in the dirt, throw some gross water on you. The father ran to him. I'm just glad you're home. And then the, the son, it's almost like dad, dad, pushes him back a little. He says, dad, I don't deserve to be your son. Just make me as a hired servant. Please get this. The father doesn't refute either of those statements. He doesn't say, no, 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 you're worthy to be my son. Because he wasn't. Now look, you can't can't let this get lost. He didn't deserve the love of the father. And then this whole idea, well, I'm going to work my way back in. Let me be a hired servant. He's He's like, no, 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 no. Hey, you... Go make a party ready. Hey, you, go get some music going. Hey, you, sing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Almost said sing for Ramses, but that's not what I need to say. It's like, let's just have a good time. Let's celebrate that my son is home. Amen. I say, what's that all about? Well, the father's love, number one, it's limitless. Right. It's without limitation. What do you mean by that? I mean, 
you can't get so far away from him that he stops loving you. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how distant you are from him in your thoughts, whether you believe in him or not. His love for you is without limitation. His love for you, it's without hesitation. (laughs) The father ran to him the moment he turned. (laughs) No, no, I'm going to talk about it a minute. You're doing a good job, bud. No, in churches, this is what we do today. Okay, you got to prove that you're worthy to be here. Let me just go ahead and clear this up. None of us are worthy to be here. We're not, none of us are here because we deserve it. Oh, like, pastor, you deserve to be. No, 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 no. If I deserved what I got, I'd be in judgment for eternity. I'm not up here because I deserve anything. What I deserve is judgment. What I've been given is grace. And that, and that mercy that was showed to his son, it was without hesitation. You have all of me because I love you. And then it was this, get this, it was exploitation. It was without exploitation. It was, out, was, it was without limitation. It was without hesitation. And it was without exploitation. You know what he didn't say? Son, you have a whole lot of debt to work off. It's not what he said. Son, welcome home. You can sit down, Jaden. Thank you. Here's the point. God loves you a long way off. God loves you a long way off. Some of you today are a long way off from God. You're in the riotous living stage. This is how you define that stage. I don't need him. Maybe God's not even a thought in your mind. Maybe you have this idea, yeah, I believe God exists, but he doesn't factor into any decisions that you make. I don't say this with delight. I don't, I don't say this with any kind of joy. I just believe that in every person's life, number one, you have the capacity. You were created with a capacity to know God, and no amount of money, no amount of pleasure, no amount of success can fill that void. It is a God-shaped void, and there will come a moment in your life when you are confronted with your need to have a relationship, not your need to go to a church, although I believe it's good for us to be in church together, not for your need to change all of your habits, but a need to have a relationship with God, and yet there are many that are far away from him. They're a long way off because you're in this space. I don't need him. The money can run out. Relationships can fail. Abilities can end. Maybe you're in the swine stage. I don't feel worthy of him. Oh, man. We've, we've turned God, we've turned knowing God into something that we have to earn. Come on, come on, come on. Brothers and sisters, my friends, you can't earn God. No, he's too perfect, and you're too imperfect. You're like, why do you do all this church stuff? It's not because we're trying to earn him. You know why we do church a lot? Because we like him, and we try to like each other. (laughs) No, it's because we like people. We like God, and we like what God can do for people, and so we are involved in a church. But I'm not trying to earn him. 
No, we try to do good to our neighbors. We try to do good in our community. We try to be a light for the love of Jesus Christ. But listen, we're not trying to earn it. You say, Pastor, you don't know what I've been guilty of. You don't know how long this pornography has had a grip on me. You don't know how long this alcohol has wrecked my life. You don't know how much damage has been done by my temper. You don't know how long I've had jealousy and bitterness in my heart. You don't know how long I have hated this person and the things that I've done in my past that I can't change. And you're in this stage of, I'm not worthy of him. Listen, when Jesus died, he paid for everything you're unworthy of. He loves you a long way off, right where you are. Some of you might be in the negotiating stage. God, I'll do this and I'll do this and I'll do this. Jaden, I need you one more time. Go back there. Halfway so everybody can see you. Stop. Face Brother Patrick. Okay. We've, we've, we use terms, and we think we know what they mean, and then we make them mean something that they don't mean, that God never intended. The word repentance is a biblical term. And here's what we think it means, or what we made it mean. Well, I've got to stop doing all these things, and I've got to start doing all these things. No, you know what biblical repentance is? It's to look my way. Jaden, did you see it? No, no, no. Nothing about his location or his condition has changed yet. He just looked this way. And the moment he was turned to the Father, the Father was running to him. You know, some of you think, some of you think, well, I've got to do this and this and this and this and then God will save me. No, no, you can't do enough for God to save you. You just got to turn. And the God who loves you a long way off will come running right where you are. Okay, now you can sit down for the last time, Jaden. God loves you without limitation. God loves you without hesitation. God loves you without exploitation. He loves you a long way off. You can have it today. You can have it. Oh, look. You can have it right now. No, literally right now. There was a man in Acts who was about to commit suicide. And two preachers, two Christians saw him. They said, hey, don't hurt yourself. And there's a whole backstory to that. But they stopped him and they said, don't, don't hurt yourself. And he came to them and said, what do I have to do to be saved? And he said this, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't say, hey, go to this church. They didn't say, hey, you need to get baptized. They said this, believe on who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Whether or not you have a relationship with God has nothing to do with whether you go to church or where you go to church. It has to do with this. Has there been a moment in your life where you recognized, I am in need of a relationship with God. And you stopped looking at religion. You stopped looking at the failures of religious leaders. You stopped looking at your own failures. And instead, you just turned your eyes upon Jesus. And the moment you do that in faith, he makes you a child of God and saves you forever. 
What do you mean forever? I mean, once you've accepted Jesus, you can never be unsaved. Let me go ahead and deal with this because we've even had people in this church that have had to deal with this tragedy. You know, well, well, what if someone commits suicide? Do they lose their salvation? No. Because salvation isn't about how you die or when you die. Salvation is about believing in the one who died for you and that you rose again. When you get him, you get all of him forever and you can never undo what he gave to you because it doesn't depend on you in the first place, man. You get it all. Look, look, look. Please, look, it's okay. You just got to turn to him. But pastor, I've done this and this and that. I don't know. I don't need to know what you've done. By the way, God already knows. He's got to turn to him. Maybe you are saved. Maybe you're a regular part of West Valley Baptist Church, but you've let some things into your life. And we'll, we'll talk about this in greater depth this afternoon, but you've let some things into your life. And, and you know, you still, you're still coming and doing the thing and checking the boxes, but in your heart, man, you've let some sin in. You got some attitude. You got some vice. You sit on these front rows every Sunday, and there are things that you need to go and talk to your parents about. Things you laugh about in private or things that you post. No, look, 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 look. In marriages, in habits, whatever it is, you can't be so far from him that his love runs out. He's a God who loves a long way off. So how do I get back? You ready? I'm not trying to minimize his holiness. I'm just telling you, he died for you. And when you turn to him, that God comes running. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. He loves you a long way off. With every head bowed, every eye closed. We do this every service. We have what we call an invitation. It's inviting you to respond. We're not going to embarrass anyone. We're not going to come to you in any public way. We ask people to bow your, their heads and close their eyes to respect privacy and to make it a little easier for you to concentrate on you and not worry about what anyone else is thinking about. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I understand in a room like this, there are going to be lots of different opinions, and I'm okay. I am completely fine that people don't agree with me. People don't agree with me all the time. Still like them, still love them, still thankful for them. But I do believe without hesitation in a God who wants to have a relationship with you, not a church. No, his church is important. It's so important. But he wants a relationship with you. He loves you right where you are. He loves you no matter how far off you are. So I want to ask you a couple of questions. First question is this. Nobody looking around. Do you know that you have a relationship with God? Do you know that you have accepted his life and his love for yourself? You say, I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure that I have or what I think about that. So here, here's the way I would frame it. If there is a God that loves you like this, would you have a desire to know him? 
I wonder if there'd be anyone who, nobody looking around, they'd raise their hand and say, I'm not sure where I'm at, but if, if God is and he loves me like that, then that's, I want that relationship. I want to have him in my life. Would you raise your hands? Yeah, I see him going up. Yep, I see him. I see him all over the place. God bless you. You can put him down. In just a moment, we're going to start singing. Look, you can talk to me now. If you just come forward, get my attention. I'll talk to you right now. If your man will have a man, if your lady will have a lady, talk to you and share with you the truth of Jesus Christ. If you say, I want to wait till after the service, that's fine. Just get my attention. Here's the second question. You say, I know, I know that I'm saved. I know that if I died right now, I would go to heaven. I would be with God for eternity. I know that. I believe that. But I also know that there are areas in my life where I am a long way off from God. And I'm ashamed or my heart is hard, but I'm a long way off. And I, I need to turn back to God in certain areas of my life. I need God to help me get back to where I ought to be in certain areas. Would you pray for me? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Would you just be honest with the Lord and you say, man, there are areas. Yep, I see them all over. God bless you for your honesty. Let's stand together. Brother Nate, start singing, please. If God has spoken to your heart, you respond to him.